Welcome back to The Underdogs, a podcast dedicated to covering the twists, turns, laughs, and tears of the Emmy Award-winning Apple TV series, Ted Lasso. Of course, Brandon usually does this line uh, as you've come to, to familiarize yourself with us, but he's off on vacation and the timings over Memorial Day weekend didn't exactly work, Dan. So it's just you and I, two-man booth, we're going to do it. Look, for those who don't know, and you should know by now, all we do is we run you through what happened throughout the entirety of the episode. We do that right after we give you a three-word episode reviewed, and then we take it through the main theme. We get you a little bit of pub trivia, make keep you on your toes throughout the episode, throughout the pod, and then we crown a winner-winner football dinner, and we're getting dangerously close to announcing who that winner might be at the end of this pod, so stay tuned for that one. That's right. Uh, today we are covering Season 3, Episode 11, Mom City. I uh, love the titling of this one. Uh, this is the potential uh, penultimate episode of Ted Lasso. Uh, it certainly did not disappoint and uh, was in the heartwarming category more than anything else. So definitely uh, appreciated this one, Dad. And look, just because Ted Lasso may be ending doesn't mean your love and support for the podcast should Go ahead and leave us a wonderful review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. And you can also follow us, TikTok, Instagram, Twitter, at Pod Underdogs. All right, Dan, you know how it goes. We have to start off in the patented way that we do our, our shows here. Uh, the three-word episode review. What are your three words to summarize an hour and eight minutes of TV? <laughs> Saying the unsaid. There's a yes. lot of unspoken truths that people needed to get off their chests out of their heads and hearts and verbalizing them so that others could really understand how they've been thinking, how they've been feeling both about themselves and to others. And this episode to me can be summed up in that way, saying the unsaid. Uh, I went with fucking love you. Uh, if you think about uh, the conversation between Ted and his mom, that uh, that hopefully will ring true for you too. Uh, look, we're doing the on and off the pitch stuff together because there was every everything was, was so codependent here that the on the pitch stuff flowed with the off the pitch stuff and vice versa that we're just going to kind of take you chronologically through it. And Dan, we start the penultimate episode of the season, maybe of the whole series uh, with Ted leaving his apartment and kind of getting his cheers moment. Right. It's sunny. The vibes are high. The team's playing so well. Everyone's kind of greeting him in the street. It's, you know, where everyone knows your name type vibes. And, uh, you know, it's it. I think it's incumbent upon the fact that, you know, Trent Krim and his monologue in, in season one, episode three, aptly named Trent Krim, the independent, told us exactly why the vibes would be this way. The quote, for those who don't remember, whatever you think of Ted Lasso as a football coach, I assure you, the truth is harder to swallow. And swallow you must because Ted is out there in the community, either bravely or stupidly facing the music. And in this moment, Nick, he is absolutely facing a chorus serenading him because the individuals in Richmond are out and about. They're living their lives. They're having fun. The good vibes are absolutely flowing because Richmond are just on a meteoric rise to yo-yo from getting relegated which a lot of teams that get relegated from the Premier League stay in the championship level down mm -hmm. for many years. It is not usually likely that you get an immediate pass back in to the top flight competition. Not only did they do that, but now they are on the verge of potentially winning the Premier League. That is a story 
much like this one that would have to be written to be believed. Yeah, indeed. And uh, there's a special little callback to season one here with Cheryl Barnaby um, doing a walk of shame, except she's not shameful about it. She's just having a great night. Um, so it was nice to see that from the uh, from the um, charity event uh, where she bid on Jamie. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, just, I, just, I just like that, Dan. I like that they're doing some callbacks here. Well, look, we know that this run of form has been feels like a presumptive victory lap for Ted Lasso at the moment. People are happy. People are excited. He's walking to the training ground. We've been through that walk that you would make. Again, the the, the training ground is not fictionally anywhere. Like fictionally is much closer to the reality mm-hmm. of where it actually is in London. But Ted has to take a double take because he realizes that uh, he's, just, he's doing his mornings. He's doing hell's lows. He's engaging. He says a morning. Hey, hey, how you doing? And then he realizes, wait a that's my mom. Mom, what? What, are you, what are you doing here? She, she's, she just says, hey, Teddy. He goes into a like a panic, right? And, you know, I think for what I've realized in this episode, Dan, is for all the talk of Ted's late father and, and how that's impacted him emotionally and mentally and spiritually, probably, his mom's only mentioned in relation to, you know, his dad leaving them, right? And... And obviously not being with them anymore. We don't hear a whole lot about his mom throughout the show. And so I thought that was a really interesting uh, bit of context that we finally, with one episode to go, have now met Ted's mom. Oh, and not not only has she played uh, Ted Ted Lasso's mom, but uh, Becky Ann Baker has played moms on multiple occasions throughout many different shows, like a, a prolific character actor. Um uh, she was uh, Leah, Leah Dunham's mom uh, in Girls, so uh, mm-hmm. another kind of uh, you know HBO slash Apple TV style of production. Um, but yeah, she's been in so many different shows, so like a very recognizable face. How great was she? I mean, very like per, if you would have like drawn up, if if AI could have devised a Ted Lasso mom character, it would have been this uh, absolutely fantastic performance. Uh, very kitschy, very uh, embarrassing Ted a little bit. That was that was good. Look, we then take the hard pivot to the only apparently Greek restaurant in the entirety of London. <laughs> it's not Ola. That's right. It is the Taste of Athens. And Nate is acting, he's serving up a different type of tactical acumen. It's about the pairings of the tabbouleh with the different options of pita and hummus going around. But look, it is three individuals who make their way in, Isaac, Colin, and Will. That's right. They are there to find Nate. They are not on a mission to get some takeaway. They want to find Nate and bring him back to the Dar Track and Richmond. Look, they aren't telling Ted that they've done this. Nate assumes that maybe it's because that Ted wants him back. But this does set off a conversation between the groups here and just understanding where Nate is at in his journey, uh, particularly as, uh, you know, those three players are seeing themselves, you know, enjoying life. Yeah. They, they, they Colin leads in with, we want you to come back. Nate's very confused. says you do, uh, you know, and then they kind of go back and forth and, and Colin really leads this, you know, someone that Nate bullied pretty significantly while he was at the club. So the whole team talked about it and it was unanimous except for Bumbercatch who abstained because he's passionately anti-democratic. Uh, and then Nate, yep. So Ted, Ted asked you guys to come back and find me. 
And they're like, no, we wanted to see if you wanted to come back before we talked to Ted. Right. And I think there's a little bit of cat and mouse going on here to figure out if this is actually something that should be a topic of conversation. Well, as we advance in the episode, we go back over to Ted and he is not having a good moment of it. The mother, the parental figure is absolutely an emotional trigger. Uh, we, we haven't heard much about his mom in the therapy sessions that we were allowed to be in, but you would presume that both parental figures have featured in sessions with Dr. Sharon. And as he's going around the apartment and setting things on uh, the, the settings of the stove, they're talking about specific things. Ted goes through, I think, the most natural progression of conversation, which is if a parent calls or shows up unexpectedly, the first thing is the like, is everything okay, mom? Like, yeah. is everything okay? Like, you're you're clearly not telling me something. And, you know, he learns that this was a Mother's Day gift to herself to come over to England. She's been there for a week and she's staying in a hospital, a uh, hostel with uh, adoring couples. <laughs> and, uh, I, I love the like, uh, well, there's been like sex. Well, not, not me. I'm not taking part in this yeah. sex, but like sex is happening in and around the hostel experience for her. Yeah. And look, it's. Ted is texting everybody, right? Because he's like, I got to deal with this mom situation. So we see Roy, Jamie, and Sam on the weekly press conference, right? We learn in that press conference that Richmond are now on a 15-match winning streak, which takes them to second in the table, only four points off of Man City for the title. And that means that, Dan, just being Premier League fans ourselves and, and math fans as well, that the team were, I think, were in ninth at one point as they were losing all those games after Sava left. And so they've essentially run the table since that point, right? Since that loss at Arsenal where they kind of figured out total football for the first time. And everyone in front of them would have had to drop significant points to move up into second, you know, from, from ninth. It, just math us really quick. How is that possible? It's very reminiscent and I hate to give praise to an Arsenal team ever, but it's very reminiscent to the way maybe that the Invincibles under Arsene Wenger played where they just couldn't lose. Uh, they, they did have some draws. So let's just maybe highlight that fact. An unbeaten yeah. run doesn't necessarily mean that you win every game because in the Premier League, you can draw and a draw on a point there can be just as important uh, as a another, you know, it's not losing in this scenario. And so they get the questions like, yeah, Lloyd, uh, you know, the replacement for Trent Krim asking the, uh, you know, do, do you have any questions? It's like, am I dreaming? <laughs> um, which, you know, could, would, we would absolutely like every headline in England at this time would be about Ted Lasso, Richmond, unbelievable, historic, written in the stars, so many platitudes would have been built up like the they would absolutely be frothing at the mouth at this idea that could, they could be writing a story about a team beating manchester city particularly in a period of time was again they use the real manager in in the actual episode so like the most dominant team in the modern premier league era of manchester city to lose to a team that just came back up from relegation would be absolutely the the headline on every sports page yeah. And, and look, Sam is, you know, obviously having fun here. Right. And and enjoying it. Jamie, not so much. Uh, Jamie is off of his game. Uh, he we find out he's been given the Premier League player of the month award. It's a huge honor. Obviously, it shows that you've been the best in the league at that point. And 
you know, he just kind of shrugs it off and it doesn't seem very confident. Uh, Roy says, uh, Jamie also led the league in assists last month, so he's done plenty to make his teammates look good as well. Jamie says, yeah, they're the ones who took all the shots. You know, uh, Roy said, yeah, he's also scored a goal. That was meant to be a pass. Shouldn't count that. That goal's a lie. It should be retract- retracted from the records. And and Roy's now looking pretty concerned, right, Dan? Because this is this is the talisman of the team. He is now the best player on AFC Richmond, as, as he and Roy had set out at the beginning of the season with all the extra training sessions and all the extra stuff they were doing to make him the best. And uh, he, he seems a little gun-shy, you know? I don't know. It's such a funny exchange. The way that he plays it is so well. Like the the I I, I apologize like to everyone, especially <laughs> the kids. Yeah, <laughs> so like good. The, the the goal is a lie. Like uh, because th- there is a phenomenon in football where there are times where you mean to cross the ball, and it does actually end up as a goal. And so they all count equally. A a goal is a goal in Italian. A, a, a chasse or a. Uh, yeah, like would be a good way to think about it as a a shot that is a, a cross. Um, but we ultimately advance, and then Ted does the "Hey, take your mom to work day" experience and brings her into the office, allows her to meet Rebecca, and then Rebecca very clearly learns that yes, this is absolutely where the apple has fallen from the tree, and uh, it basically didn't fall off the branch; it's still connected. And Rebecca gets the, oh, yeah, you're, you're Ted's mother. Mother, that is, uh, that is who you are. And she says, I can't believe I'm finally getting to meet the woman who created one of the nicest humans that I've ever met, Dottie, with the classic lassoism, because she is the originator of the lassoisms. Oh, no, don't look at me. This one popped out and immediately asked the doctor if he needed anything. And, and look, that's where, that's where we are. It was, a, it was a really great scene, though, because, you know, obviously I have my thoughts on whether Ted and Rebecca would work as a couple and I am shipping them. But getting to meet the mom is, is, a, is a fun part of that. Ted's obviously met Rebecca's mom last season, and so this was a nice little counterpoint to that. Uh, Rebecca, of course, then takes Dottie around the facility, a nice little callback to, to season one where she's like, I'd love to go to the Sherlock Holmes Museum. And Rebecca's like, no, just around here would be fine. I'll take you around. Uh, but she's dying to meet Danny Rojas. And honestly, Dan, who wouldn't be dying to meet Danny Rojas now that he's not Brandy Dojas, the incredibly uh, aggressive uh, player from Mexico there. Uh, Ted has never looked more annoyed in the show than when his mom is doing the lassoisms. It is fucking hilarious. Well, she, much like Ted has a way of telling a story that can be a little grander than the reality of the story itself. And so you get some retellings that are fictionalized a touch in terms of the specific or finer points. The salient details of the story gets adapted for the benefit of the audience, not necessarily of the subject of the story. And then you also get some that are just a a tad embarrassing a la the uh, taking of the car and driving it, uh, you know, driving off with it. So like, there, were, there were a lot of um, funny moments there. And, you know, Rebecca and Ted kind of go back and forth. And Rebecca's like, oh, it must be so lovely having your mother visit, Ted. <laughs> and Ted's like, oh, yeah, it's great. Rebecca, Oklahoma. Oh, uh, Ted. Oh, no, uh, it's weird. Um, Didn't even tell me she was coming. Just showed up out of nowhere. It's like um, one of them weird eyebrow hairs that I started getting the day after I turned 40. And Rebecca's like, it's just what mothers do, Ted. Yeah, but she, I mean, she's now Oklahoma'd him twice in the last, in, in this last season. And I think it shows their connection, right? 
that was the season one trope and they've carried it all the way through and I like that. But Dan, Rebecca would know something about mom showing up out of nowhere. They, they're, a lot of uh, keen observers on Twitter have made the parallels between this episode and season two, episode 10, uh, where Rebecca's mom was basically taken over the whole episode and her and her mom finally had it out and better understood each other and all that sort of stuff. And so I just wanted to call that out, that this is basically the the B side of that tape, right? That now Ted is is kind of starting off on that journey. And that is where I think we take an ad break One and then get break. into the remainder. Let's do it. Nick, I think we're dying to know about the fact though, that Higgins makes a beeline for the coach's room about what some of his birdies are telling him. He's he's, he's definitely not as slick as uh, you know, Barris. the Barris. <laughs> the, it does have that vibe that he's trying to give off, that he's got his little, his, yeah. his spiders that he is trying to use to inform him of the situation. But uh, we find out that Nate is uh, waiting tables and tooting and would likely come back if asked. And, you know, Ted gets the the vote going as an American would in terms of a democratic process. But Beard is still thumbs down on the concept of Nate, the not great in his mind. I, I love Higgins. Well, I do believe in second chances, Ted. That's why I'm still married and all of my sons are alive. Um, you know, Roy being very mature. Uh, no, I don't give a fuck. He's great at shit that I suck at. Uh, look, I've got to go do something. Ted asked him, everything all right? Yeah, I've just come down with a case of none of your fucking business, which is just beautiful. Um, and then Beard, if you bring that Judas back, I will burn this place to the fucking ground. And this is a carryover from the last episode, right, where I, I kind of called out that Ted's going to have to talk to him about his hatred kind of consuming him about Nate. And this is a moment where I think Ted is you know, three steps ahead of where Beard is that we'll find at the end of the episode on, on what to do next. Well, look, Ted has to get his players to practice. So he breaks up story time and Dottie's just a- like holding court. It's awesome. Yeah. Well, this is the story about Ted eating a uh, poop candy bar. Uh, and, and look, what child hasn't potentially almost uh, eaten someone else's fecal matter because it was framed in the shape of a, uh, a harmless prank, but uh, or harmful prank rather. But uh, look, he he you know he's off his game. There's a bit of group hug, uh, you know, kind of storms off, and then uh, Zero is getting made fun of a little bit. Yeah, he's wearing the mask. Obviously, uh, the more fashion forward amongst our our Richmond crew are are making fun of him, and then the, you know he looks at Jamie's like, "You want to pile on? You want to keep going?" And then Jamie's like. No safety first. And Roy absolutely bellows tart boot room now. And then Jamie breaks down. And I think this is the the part of the episode where everyone's like Phil Dunster absolutely has to win an Emmy for best supporting actor in this category because he has been so damn good. They continue to play this as a comedy in the Emmys, right? Like this yes. is in the OK, because yes. I was going to say. It feels like the succession team is likely running the table on the drama side of the category. And so, you you know, especially if this is the final season of Ted Lasso, the Emmys do tend to vie in favor of things that have ended or ending. So this would absolutely be a pretty tough choice for them, I think, because you, you do tend to have a lot of really good supporting characters. But Jamie's line of like, I'm, I'm tired. I can't sleep. I can't, I can't wash my hair, but I don't, I, I, I wash my hair, but I don't use conditioner anymore. 
because I'm like, what's the fucking point? <laughs> he's he feels like he, he's lost his wings, man, and and Roy's there to comfort him. But the best part of this whole scene is that Will is not in the boot room for once, and he comes in late, and Roy knows it's him immediately. He's like. Will, you missed a good one. And he kind of like storms off. He's like, damn it. Ah, I was, I was supposed to be there for that one. Uh, but look, I, the the cool thing about the, the new slash emerging friendship that, that Roy and Jamie have built up is that Roy knows that he needs something that he cannot give him. And that is in the form of more kind of emotional support. And that's going to come from Keely, of course, who knows Jamie just as well as anyone else does. And, of course, Roy goes to KJPR, and there's a really funny scene with Barbara there, who's now a lot more personality-driven than she ever was when she worked for Jack. And Roy just asks Keeley for help, Dan. You know, he needs Jamie to be firing against Man City. Well, he highlights the fact that, you know, he's fu- you know his exact words were about Jamie. He's fucked in the head, and I've tried to do it myself, but it's all the emotional shit that you're good at. Also, you look nice. Keeley responds with the... You want my help with Jamie? Roy. Yeah. And you look nice. Just to reiterate <laughs> the point. And uh, does also uh, tell Barbara that she looks nice as well, because this conversation is happening in front of her. But we jump back to training or after training. And Ted and Dottie are at the Crown and Anchor to have a drink. Ted's getting a little bit of that anxiety creeping back up again. Beard and Ted are taking turns on the Wizard of Oz. We'll probably come back to that later. Mm-hmm. Uh, pinball machine. And then Daddy is, uh, Dottie is trying to level up with Beard and get get the skinny on what's going on, Nick, because she needs to peer, peel back the layers of Ted because Ted isn't sharing. Ted also is trying to peel back the layers of Dottie and get back to the real reason why she's here. And neither side, again, is saying the damn thing to the right person <laughs> to get to the point sooner. Yeah. Dottie asks uh, Beard, how's Ted doing? She's, no, how is he doing? Beard said, well, he's Ted. And she drops an absolute dime of a line here. Still running around in circles, making sure everybody's okay without accept- without accepting a drop of help for himself. And... We've talked about that on the show multiple times, Dan. Like, that is who he is, right? He is so distracted with everyone else's happiness. And then we get Dottie showing us where he gets it from, right? Beard says pretty much, how are you doing? Oh, don't you worry about me. You guys got enough cooking without uh, me putting my troubles on your to-do list. And that is like, boy, pot calling the kettle black, right? Like, you are... You are just uh, enabling this behavior probably when he was growing up. And so it's it to me, Dan was a really clear indicator. But then uh, May, with I think my favorite part of the whole episode, uh, drops a poem. There will be a trivia question later on whose poem this is, but drops a poem on Ted. And there's a little backstory to this. Apparently, uh, she brought it forward to Jason. Jason's like, fuck yeah, we're going to put it in the show. And they put it in the show right here. Uh, after Ted is done, I think setting himself on fire to keep other warm, to keep other people warm, which is his kind of tendency that they highlight the poem. They fuck you up your mom and dad. They may not mean to, but they do. They fill you with the faults they had and add some extra just for you. But they were fucked up in turn by fools in old style hats and coats who halftime were soapy stern and half at one another throats. Many hands on misery to man. It deepens like a coastal shelf. Get out as early as you can and don't have any kids yourself. 
and and this is I think you know we've we've worked through a lot of Ted's issues right over the years and unresolved trauma with his parents only one of them alive right only one person that he can have this unresolved trauma with is maybe stopping him from being a great parent to Henry maybe he's scared maybe this anxiety is is this is the core of of what has kind of driven him this way Dan and you know it's it's really intriguing that we see Dottie kind of telling fake stories about Ted. Like there are, she doesn't quite get it or she's, you know, embellishing the truth as we'd like to say. And finally, finally, we get back to the apartment. She refused to take the bed. Ted makes her take the bed and she gives him some news clippings from home. And the top news clipping is about his anxiety attack. It gets spurs from, from last season. And it's just like, what the hell, man? That is like the most infuriating part, like about being a child to a parent and like a parent uses something in that way, shape or form to try to force the conversation. Instead of just coming out and saying, hey, I'm concerned about you for this. I'm concerned about the panic attacks. Like, is that something that's still happening? No, let me just toss that in with a bag of other shit. Some things that are saying really nice stuff about you. But let me make sure there's one thing in here that's really going to drive home the point that I want to get at because I'm not willing to actually talk about the thing or bring it to the forefront of what I want to actually talk about. So bam, headline, someone else, this brought it up, this opened it. You looked at it. Oh, I can casually walk in now because you're thinking about it. Yeah, so they, they finally, you know, get to the uncomfortable part of the conversation since uh, it was not so elegantly brought up. And Dottie says, hey, are you still having those um, episodes, you know? Uh, and Ted's like, oh, the panic attacks. Yeah, um, no, no, uh, not recently anyway. You know, I've actually been talking to this therapist. And, and of course, then it's the guilt trip. Oh, let me guess, it was all my fault. And she's kind of chuckling and she says it. And Ted, like looks at her, squares her up and says, no, mom, of course not. But it's really helped. And, you know, she, Dottie does the, uh, the Brooklyn Nine-Nine. Good, 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 good. Uh, <laughs> and Ted, uh, you ever thought about talking to someone? Just asking, you know, the bold question out in the open. And she says, oh, no, that's not my cup of tea. And you know I love my tea. And I think this is maybe a little bit of rebellion that Ted doesn't like tea because his mom loves tea and they have this this thing between them that's unresolved. Well, it's also the the stigmatization of seeking support for mental health mm -hmm. and the assumption that there's a default response that is not just a Ted Lasso, but is throughout society in the way that problems come from parents because the whole poem that we just referenced. And so people believing that if you're going into a room to talk about your feelings to talk about and try to understand and analyze where the source of your emotional or mental challenges are coming from that. It, oh, it's, it's, it's me. So it's changing the subject in sort of like a, Hey, I'm so happy for you that like, you're doing this. Like, what, what are you learning? Asking the right type of questions to make it a constructive conversation. It is not showing that Dottie and Ted are cut from the same cloth because the instead of the supportive question, it's the rebuff of, oh, well, you're you're clearly it's my fault. Like I want this is now about me. It's not about you getting help. It's about me being blamed. And that type of, of challenge kind of continues to root through the the questions and conversations. 
But we, we can't linger on it forever, Nick, because there is a match to get to. And the team is going up to Manchester, so they're going away. Win AFC Richmond within one point with one game remaining in the Premier League season. Uh, we're recording this episode just after the end of the Premier League season. And look, a lot of crazy stuff can happen on that last day. So you want to put yourself in the best situation possible. And no surprise that with this magnitude of a match coming up for Richmond, Ted gets the the whole entourage is coming up to pay tribute, to be involved in the process. Rebecca indicated, we're all this in together. And uh, you know, I've also received a strong word text from Nora demanding I stop using my private jet. <laughs> yeah, that was great. I'm, I'm sad we haven't seen Nora this season because I thought she was a great secondary character in, in Higgins, like the fucking environment. Unbelievable. Uh, we obviously see the team arrive in Manchester and get a little bit of a montage about Manchester there. Uh, when Keeley heads up to Jamie Sweet to try and get him out of his funk, um, she she fucks it up uh, pretty significantly. Um, she basically tells him about all the things that he should be worried about that he wasn't actually worried about. And now he's even more worried. Uh, she says, uh, this is the first time you played back home since you left. The crowd's going to hate you. The person who's going to be booing the loudest is your dad. Didn't think of all that. Thanks. And then she says, and I know a lot of people are shit talking your hair online. And he does the they're what uh, scene that's been uh, passed around in GIF format. And, you know, then she she closes it out by saying, think about it. If you guys win tomorrow, then you'll be on the precipice of retrieving every everything that you've ever dreamed of. And he just collapses on on his bed. He's like, oh, my God, everything's kind of around. Then they pan to the movie night because, of course, we know they do a, a movie night before they play on the road. And the team is doing You've Got Mail. Tom Hanks, Meg Ryan, excellent. Top three Nora Ephron movie. Yep, come on, uh, beautiful. And then uh, Roy asks, how'd it go? And Gilly's like, yeah, I fucked it. I made it worse. <laughs> well, we get Tom Hanks and Meg Ryan in the final scene, and we see a knowing glance from Sam to Rebecca. Then Ted argues that Sleepless in Seattle is a far superior film, which, look, I'll, I'll just tell you, the, the best one is when Harry met Sally. Yes. And then you go into Sleepless in Seattle, and then it's You Got Mail. Again, I agree. All bangers. All of them are bangers for the type of genre that they're in. But we just have to keep it going because Roy and Keeley are on the mission. They're on the hunt because they see Jamie sneak out after curfew and they follow him not so stealthily, um, <laughs> which is uh, which is preempted by the fact that they lose him. And then they ca- and then he catches them in reverse because they are. Uh, this is not a movie. This is a TV show. And these characters are very, very bad at tracking a human person. Not really stealthy. No, I mean, I, I love that we get the little, you know, journey through Manchester with Why Can't I Touch It by the Buzzcocks playing in the background. There's a blue moon overhead and that really great scene. Um, and, you know, of course, they're thoughtful. This show is, is ultra thoughtful about everything that's going on. Uh, but the, Jamie's like, fine, I'm going to take you on this journey because they're worried. You, are you buying drugs? Are you going to do self-harm? Like, what's going on? And uh, one of my favorite episode, or favorite scenes from this episode, I should say, is we see some young kids playing football dead at night. They're just kind of out and doing their thing. And they're just talking mad shit to Jamie. They recognize him. They're just giving him the, the big in, as we like to say. And then Roy looks at him and goes, good lads. And they freak out and they're so happy. I Dan, I absolutely love that scene. It's exactly what young kids who are 100%. supporting their home home club 
their their citizen supporters would do to a player that is of a rival team who's going to be going up against them, who previously played for that team, who's going to get a bit of a, a stick, an extra stick. So, you know, you'd imagine that there's going to be boos in the stadium the next morning, but these are the real life boo birds in, in child form who are just absolutely tormenting him. But look, we, we get to see the family. We're going to get to see that, uh, you know, we get to see Georgie, his mom and, uh, you know, step, step parent as well, which was, uh, Simon, very, very nice gentleman, uh, very obsessed with, uh, great British bake off too, which was, well, uh, look, the polar opposite of his actual dad. Oh right? yeah. I mean, that, I think that was the, the most striking thing. I also love that Roy was completely stunned by how good Jamie's mom looked. So in the previous episode, we get Jamie, uh, saying that Roy's sister is super fit. And then in this one, we get Roy just, dumbfounded by how good Georgie looks. And we've heard Jamie describe his mom before, right, Dan? Loving, warm, wants the best for him. And that's exactly how she is. I also think, uh, I forget the the actor's name uh, who plays Jamie's mom. Maybe you're looking that up as we go. But uh, absolutely fantastic performance from another mom in this episode. And, uh, you know, they she knows something's wrong for him to show up. And so they get a little bit of alone time and Jamie asks her, have you heard from dad? No, haven't heard from that human ball sack in ages. Uh, she asks him, you, you heard from him? He says, no, not since Wembley. I thought I was finally rid of him. Uh, you know, I was did what I did because fuck him, you know, and now I don't give a shit about him. It's like, you know, when some guys can't make their willies go hard and she corrects him, oh, you mean impotence? And Jamie says, yeah, I got that, but it's like in my soul, right? And so she tries to set him straight, Dan. She's like, Jamie, your father is who he is. He's never, ever, ever, ever going to change. Maybe. Uh, And like it or not, you've ended up being who you are so that you can prove him wrong. And you are amazing. You are. When you come on for England, Jamie, I wept. I bawled me fucking eyes out. And yeah, your dad will be in the stands tomorrow, pissed out of his head, rooting against you. And it won't matter. You don't have anything to prove to that toe rag. You've not lost my sexy little baby. You're just not sure of which direction you're going in yet. And it's a beautiful scene, Dan. I mean, it really oh. is. Mother's yeah. love is something different. It is. Well, and it was uh, Leanne Best, who yes. is the actress, played the played the role. And we, <laughs> sexy little baby also would have been a great three-word <laughs> episode review. Really fantastic. That feel it feels like that. Those are the words of the the genesis of Jamie's story there that yeah. really kind of set him back on the path. If we view it as just Jamie's story, not Ted Lasso, um, but you kind of get it moving forward, and you're getting this. You know, you, they say they say good, goodbye. They kind of you know, or, or like before that, you get the scene upstairs. Oh my god! <sighs> All this is happening downstairs with Jamie and his mom. Roy and Keeley getting a little bit of a tour of the the upstairs from Simon. They're getting the full walk around, and they get to see some amazing artifacts oh. in Jamie's bedroom. So this is clearly a mom, a family, very much adores their child. Haven't really even touched the room. There's still elements of his youth, kind of from growing up as well. And we see <laughs> the Roy can. Chelsea appearance oh my God. on a poster with the <laughs> floppiest do. <dew. laughs> 
is unreal. Oh man, yeah, a lot of people were like, "Oh, that's Roy Keane." You know, they showed a picture oh, of Roy yeah. Keane from the '90s, and that that was kind of that. Um, Roy goes in there. He's like, "Whoa, fucking hell!" And then Simon's like, "Many posters have come and gone over the years. Henri, Gerard, Ronaldo, but Roy Kent always remains." Which I thought was a really interesting note, right? So Jamie's looked up to him forever, and now now they're friends, and and Roy's kind of his mentor. Next to that is Keely with the soccer balls in front of her boobs, uh, which is like so the the. The three of them have been interconnected for longer than we realized. Um, and Roy goes, this is fucking weird. Keely, there's a lot of weird to choose from. Can you be more specific? And Roy says, you and me sitting on Jamie Tart's childhood bed, being all fucking concerned about him and shit. Uh, and Keely's like, you know what? Good on us, Royo. And then they're, they're kind of doing their bud thing. And then Roy's like, I don't want to be just friends. Right. And I think this opens up the question, Dan. Where does this leave our dynamic duo? Obviously, their one-night stand that Rebecca saw was not the start of a relationship necessarily. So where do you think this leaves them? It feels like it's working back to a natural conclusion where they're they're together. Definitely is a more of a sure bet than your Ted and Rebecca romance that you and many others are 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 shipping. Um, so we'll see what happens at the end of the season, but we don't have much longer to wait. As they say goodbye, Roy, <laughs> or as for the hug, the one for the road, <laughs> Keely had to pull him back from. Uh, fantastic. But look, we get Nate. He's trying to work on new promotions for the Taste of Athens. The guy just can't stop working, can't stop grinding. And Jade is not necessarily pissed, but she is unhappy with the way that he is applying the talents that uh and she's like, I don't think you should work there anymore. Nate advocates for like, he's a great waiter. And like, yeah, you are a great waiter. Like you'll be great at a lot of things. Like Nate is, you know, is a talented individual. We saw the last episode. Dad talks about him being a prodigy. You know, is how hard it was to, to manage him and how hard it might be for someone like Jade, who is watching this ultra successful person doing something that any, a lot of people could do and may not be the best application of a skill set or ability or a knowledge base that he has built up. And he is just concerned. He is wondering that, you know, how it's his fault. He's caught up in the grief. He's caught up in the guilt. And really, you know, he says he's going to go back, but not until next season. And, you know, we get kind of a, a nice scene there that kind of, you know, just gives us a scene about like Jay's not happy with it. Nate is aware that he needs to move on, but isn't necessarily putting himself out of his comfort zone at the moment. Right. And we pan back over to the hotel, you know, the day before the match, and Ted turns on the TV to find the Keeley infomercial again, which is just Every so good. Every fucking hotel. <laughs> Every goddamn hotel. <laughs> it's amazing. Uh, but he gets a text from his mom, and, you know, she wants the Wi-Fi password, and then... She she sends another kind of guilt trippy thing saying, I wish I would have come to the game. And then you start to hear that that ringing you again. Were invited. Yes. You were invited. Yeah. It is another passive aggressive tactic. Like if there is a loser of this episode, <laughs> it's Ted's mom. I'm sorry. Yeah. I'm gonna come out and say it. It's not a kind thing to say. His mom uses some really awful tactics on poor Ted this episode. Your parents fuck you up. They do. Um, and look, then it's the next day. We understand that uh, Chelsea, or sorry, not Chelsea, Richmond are playing against 
Pep Guardiola's Manchester City. I say that uh, because we find out that Pep is actually the, the coach and he does a cameo. It's great. Uh, we hear the familiar blue moon ring out over the PA. Keeley brings up something, Dan, that I think is on the minds of everybody. Why doesn't Richmond have a classic song? I mean, look, R- Richmond are a historic club in this universe and those clubs of a certain founding age do tend to have a bit of an old school song to rock out to on as they step onto the pitch. And we learn from Higgins that two, two interesting things. One, Freddie Mercury briefly owned the team. That is a part of lore that we had not learned up to this point. And that in the eighties, he tried to make fat bottom girls, the team anthem, which would have been confusing a little part, but also brilliant. You know, we've got, We've got blowing bubbles for you know West Ham, you know we've got blue moon, we've got blue is the color, color for Chelsea. Like there's a lot of fun old songs that would have been very cool. Um, and apparently the only people who were offended by it, according to Higgins, the flat bottom girls. It's a tough beat, tough beat for the flat bottom girls. Look, we're we're gonna go through the match. It's a lot of chaos here, right? I mean Arlo. White welcomes us in today. Manchester City host AFC Richmond first ever win at the Etihad for the Greyhounds. Uh, however, unlikely leaves the door open uh, next week for Ted Lasso's men to complete the Cinderella story their fans have been dreaming of. Oh, look, there he is. Look at him. That's Jamie Tart. The city faithful are letting Jamie Tart know how they feel about their former player who left them for reality television. And then, of course, you always get the pan to the one fan who's kind of leading the charge. Welcome home, dickhead. <laughs> it was so, it was so good. Yeah, the, the language in real life is a lot more colorful. But yes. as we get into the actual match, Jamie's getting tactically fouled. This is, this is the type of treatment that Pep Guardiola's team does in fact use in real life, particularly Mm -hmm. for they do it across actually the entirety of the pitch. But if you are the best player on a team, you do get a a special level of treatment and recognition by Pep Guardiola who wants to make it his team's job to take you out of the game. So it now becomes 11 on 10 effectively because you are just not able to play into your shape. And Jamie is, is feeling it. However, Jamie is able to get Cohen a goal and that gets the lead going. Pub goes wild. Nate is cheering from the restaurant. And then we do Nick get that cameo for Pep Guardiola on the pitch before we get a little more action from that. Like this is the most footballing we've had in an episode in a very long time. It's, it's very cool. Pep Guardiola is the Manchester city manager. He is one of the greatest managers of all time. Apparently he said, in the press that um, that uh, he he watches the show, his wife and kids love the show, and that he was really excited to do the cameo and uh, to get you know photos of Jason Sudeikis as Ted Lasso and Beard as or uh, as Brendan Hunting as Beard next to him is just like Dan. I think it brings the reality of the world that we typically live in as Chelsea fans to the to the you know mysticism of what Ted Lasso has become and has made it such a real show you know it's really cool well uh, in the fictional show van damme is continuing to play out of his mind stopping anything that is even remotely getting close to him brandon busby-esque i mean (laughs) come on there is a little bit of a lore that exists when a player dons a mask that we have not talked about but there are times when a player who is a good player 
dons a mask due to a, a facial injury that they have taken in, whether it's a you've know, seen orbital uh, bones broken, you've seen noses fractured, but the player the player is good enough to play outside of the risk of re-injury in that area. And so they will get usually some type of carbon fiber mass. They will go onto the pitch. They will hope that they don't get hit there again. Of course, they will take an elbow in that area at some point during the match. It is known. It is projected into the future. But as a goalkeeper, maybe a little bit safer to avoid the extra bows. This is this is absolutely like a thing that has a lore to it. And the show did a really good job. Like that the masked man... <laughs> Zero uh, is uh... you. You miss the. You, come on, show. Come on, the the mask of Zero. I think. I think if he can, he's going to continue to wear the mask, and he will go back to Zero. That is the the prediction for the last episode. I um, hope so. But look, uh, City are are pummeling uh, the Richmond goal. Jamie saves a goal at the line, injures himself in the process. This is a phenomenal last ditch effort. Uh, stays down injured, and then Ted pulls an all-timer like this is this is a very awkward situation for a manager to go through nick absolutely he elects to play with 10 men while they figure out if jamie uh can can actually play or not and in the middle of it he and beard and roy are having this conversation like what do we do what do we do and and roy's like i'm i'm happy for him to play injured i played injured all the time and and beard is like you can't even walk upstairs anymore <laughs> like absolutely hit him with the cross shot and then, you know, Ted is kind of looking around. He wants the uh, medical team to heal him, use all your tricks, right, to, you know, magic spray, whatever it takes. And then he actually figures out what's ailing Jamie, and it's not just his ankle. Uh, Ted, you know, he sees him looking around. He's like, when was the last time you saw your dad? Jamie says, Wembley. You guys talk since then? Nope. Uh, if you could talk to him now, what would you say? I'd say, fuck you. He says, yeah, that makes sense. Anything else? And then I'd say, thank you. And a look of realization comes over Jamie's face, right? Uh, like, oh, maybe, uh, maybe I am more conflicted about this than I, than I thought I was. Tess says, you know, Jamie, if hating your pops ain't motivating you like it used to, it might be time to try something different. Just forgive him. Following Ted's own arc, right, Dan? This is exactly where Ted was a year ago when he was talking to Dr. Sharon. And he says, uh, Jamie's like, oh, fuck, no, I'm not giving him that. He's like, no, you're not giving him anything. When you choose to do that, you're giving it to yourself. And he helps him back up. He helps him back onto the pitch. And then Jamie does what Jamie does, right? Um, he goes and scores in a wonder goal. That is true. But before he does that, we do get a little bit of a move over back to the taste of Athens, which is one way down. Yeah, classic match day experience at the, the taste of Athens. Yeah. Uh, also interesting because sometimes games aren't televised over there. So that's another just interesting wrinkle that like whenever they've needed to be able to watch a game, they are able to do it without any issue. Another kind of interesting wrinkle of the Ted Lasso universe. Um, Nate goes in the office thinking he's going to get a promotion because he's been a great waiter. No, Jade has told the manager, you need to fire Nate because he's wasting his talents here. And he needs to get on with life. And look, he was way more scared of Jade than he is of Nate. So he does the job. He gets it done. And then we get Jamie scoring that goal. Um, I love the, the little cocky energy he goes back out on the field with. He's like doing the fingers to his ears. He wants the crowd to kind of gin him up. Dan, it was great. Yeah. The, the biggest thing, though, is Ted does the early pull. He gets Jamie off. The goal is there. The win is secured. 
He doesn't want his star player to get injured anymore, but more importantly, he wants to give the opportunity for the Wichman Way supporters who are there. And then shockingly, the city supporters to applaud Jamie for the recognition of just how talented he is. And so this is not the spoiled idiot that left Manchester, right? This is a whole new person who's put in a lot of work, who has become incredibly good and I think showed them some toughness to play through injury. And that's, I think, part of the reason why they accepted. And we've seen this in, in real life football a lot, even if a player leaves, that they can still be um, accepted by another team's fans. And so it was a, a nice moment for Jamie. Yeah. And then we also find out there's a little bit in the stands that his dad is not present at the game. And uh, we see him at a, a rehab facility. Um, initially, when he, he kind of said it before you got the cut, you're like, oh, did he like die? And that's why nobody's heard from him. No, he's at a rehab facility and he's looking on and, and is seemingly happy that uh, Jamie is doing so well, even though his favorite club is losing at, at Jamie's hands. But uh, we're win. And they're one point away from the title. You get Ted and Pep to shake hands and, Ted gets a little bit of familiar advice from uh, the, the the bald one, Pep Guardiola. Ted says, thanks, coach. I appreciate it. I, I got to be honest with you. You're, you're a tough guy to beat. Pep said, no, nah, don't worry about the wins and losses. Just help, help these guys be the best versions of themselves on and off the pitch. This, at the end, is the most important thing. And Ted, with a knowing uh, wink and glance, says, I couldn't agree more, coach, because that is Ted's mission dan that's what he does and it was kind of cool to see the little freak out between him and beard that they shook hands with pep nicely pep talked to jamie and stuff like that and uh the the bus back would have been a riot there's no doubt oh it would have been a party it would have been a huge party so we do get the fat bottom girls playing <laughs> as they walk out and everybody is heading out to uh you know you know look uh there is there is the like hey Make sure you have a glass of water in between every beverage. Uh, you know, the ca- captain's going to captain and make sure that his team, while celebrating, is getting, you know, the right type of hydration they need to enjoy that uh, responsibly. Celebrate, celebrate. Celebrate responsibly. Jamie stays back, though, right? Because yep. he needs to rehab. He needs to get his ankle into some ice and stuff like that. But every person's coming up to him at the end of the bench and, and shaking his hand. And he pulls Colin aside and says, hey, listen, man, I want to say I'm proud of you. You played so well today. And there's like, you know, to go from you know, where Colin was a few episodes ago to now where he is and full acceptance of who he is is something that's just really, really cool that the show does. And, you know, it's it's not all that's going to happen to Jamie here because while icing his ankle, some friends come by. Yeah, you get Roy and Keeley coming in, and this is the direct callback to when Ted saw Jamie in the treatment room previously. It was the subject of of demise due to Jamie. Uh, still wanted to comfort and console him in that moment and sees the reaction of Jamie's father. He sees now a Jamie who's getting a chance to enjoy the company of both Roy and Keeley, who've snuck in some champagne so that they could all celebrate together. Uh, a, a momentous moment, a first win away at City against the quality of side that they have in this fictional universe for any team, including Richmond, is a massive massive accomplishment but we're not done yet we're not done with the footballing stuff because it is back in the office and beard wants to get ready to do karaoke trying to make sure that they get signed up effectively for the song and ted's like oh no i got i gotta go back you know mom's making the home-cooked meal 
but I got to show you something that's interesting. And he shows him the video of Nate and how Nate had come in to clean up the kit room to straighten up the whole office and basically got stuck through a series of. No, it was after he ripped the believe sign, he put it on the desk yes. and was made to hide underneath the desk for 11 hours. And they showed all the different scenarios that were happening. And Ted's showing beard this and beards. like clearly like, what the fuck are you showing this to me for? But he, he is now taking this moment, Dan, to set beard straight on what he believes should be forgiveness for Nate. And he, he drops an absolute dime of a line here. I don't know about you coach, but I hope that, that either all of us or none of us are judged by the actions of our weakest moment, but by rather the strength we show. And if we're ever given a second chance, I right, have fun tonight, coach. Like I'm just going to lay it at your feet. I'm going to lay at your feet and react to the history of our relationship to personal history. And it's, creates the fuck moment mm-hmm. where Beard realizes he needs to acquiesce and has potentially been holding this grudge a little too hard. Well, it's, it's Ted coaching, right? He, he doesn't stop coaching. And we find out that Nate, you know, is, is back home after getting fired from his new favorite job. Uh, he breaks the quote unquote news to Jade that he had been fired. She does a great job of feigning anger. Ah, shucks. I can't believe it. And then he explains that he's writing a 60-page apology letter to Ted. He's looking to make a few trims, just a few, Dan, maybe maybe a page or two out of there. When uh, there's a, a, a ring at the door, and it's Beard. And Beard is standing there looking menacing. And then we get to see what is some incredible acting from Brendan Hunting uh, on, on Brendan Hunt on this, Brendan Hunting on Twitter, uh, on what the relationship is with him and Ted and why he is there. Well, again, adding additional lore to the universe, we find out they met playing college football and that he, Ted Lasso was a backup punter and that beard was the backup kicker, which realistically, if they met playing college football, probably the only positions that they could get away with playing. So no doubt, very interesting, but also they would be really well, like mentally, like, you know, kickers that like i don't know about you specialist positions like like a lot of people who were like who played soccer during or football during you know the soccer season also doubled as kickers (laughs) or punters so like this is just a a fun little like i don't know call there but we learned that like basically ted's life went in a really great direction and beard's life did not go in a great direction went to prison got paroled ted ends up being the person who gives him a place and beard took advantage of it stole his car and basically if it wasn't for ted would have been in jail again with ted saying oh no no i i I, you know he he he, you know he he took i gave him the car no no worries no problems and nate draws the allegory that it's like lame is yeah um this is great but like the oh you went to prison he said yes for stealing a loaf of meth <laughs> of meth yeah and they said i stole from a friend who forgave me gave me a job and a life so to honor that i forgive you i offer you a job and the life parts up to you and dan this is why ted is the center of everyone's universe right he he cares so much about other people and he refuses to let someone's worst moments be the thing that defines them 
even, you know, when it comes to people who have directly hurt him, right? Uh, which is so impressive. And, you know, it, it really sets up, you know, for me anyway, why this show is so popular. Because it is, it would have been so easy for Ted to just hate Nate. And that's just not who he is at his core. Well, and then we migrate over back to Ted's house, getting a, a double helping of dinners. And I'm going to guess that you used the the food options as a trivia question. Of course I'm not I fucking did. That far. Of course so I, I won't did. say which ones they are. Again, I, I know I know where you're coming from here. Come on. Um, what, what would be, what's, what's your number one? Like you go home, mom's cooked you dinner. You've been oh. away for a long time. What did she make you? Mom's lasagna for sure. Yeah, lasagna is a is a staple. If if the, if the lasagna pan is out and that thing is big and it's deep, uh, you know something good is cooking. So yes, yeah, that's a, that's a good one. There's a stuffing my mom always makes. It's uh, really really popular and some guacamole that's uh, yeah. pretty tasty and uh, maybe spiked. So uh, we'll, we'll talk about that <laughs> at another point off air. Another, another time. But, yeah. Yeah, but uh, Ted jumps into the fucks. Oh, boy, oh, boy. There are a lot of fucks in this situation. It is a moment of like, hey, here's a truth. Fuck you. Here's a truth. Fuck you. Here's a truth. Fuck you. And it's this back and forth of love, of the hurt and the anger. And then back to the like the desire for wanting something better. But it all goes back to the fact that when his dad passed the way that that relationship didn't didn't evolve the way it needed to that there was this belief and interpretation that like oh everything's okay everything's fine like we we should just kind of move forward like not kind of not addressing the moment and so we've gotten effectively 10 20 30 plus years of not addressing the moment and that is why we have the actual addressing happening in this moment in a kitchen of a rental flat in London, in Richmond, where finally Ma Lasso and Ted are having it out about this pivotal moment that changed the way the dynamic of their relationship and the Mm -hmm. way that they individually and independently go about their lives. This is classic Midwest mom, by the way, like this is, you know, hide your hurt, don't talk about it, ignore it, bury it deep, and everything's going to be okay. And I like Ted saying, fuck you for not working on yourself or seeking help after he lost that and not talking to me about it, just glossing over. Like, that's clearly the the trigger point. And then she comes back at him. She says, I appreciate you uh, sharing this all with me. I wish you hadn't carried it around for so long. And, uh, you know, I have something to say to you, too. Your son misses you, like, cuts him just real deep. Um And, you know, based on her previous uh, mistelling of stories or whatever, this could be real. It could be not. It's, of course, you know, more than likely that it's real because, you know, Ted's a long way away. But then Ted says something that's really important here, which is like, I'm scared sometimes to like get that close to to Henry, right? Because I know he's going to leave. It's the abandonment issue, right? And it's like. Oh, okay. So now we now we know the who the final boss is, right? After all of this time, all of these improvements, Dan, that Ted has made as a human being. And it's it's something in his soul that's connected with him and his dad that he just is not over. And and he's and he needs to work on it a lot more. Well, look, 
we start our wrapping up of this episode and Ted is heading into work looking a little forlorn after the results of this conversation that happened. Melancholy. Yeah. yeah, you know, he also he you know wakes up to the, the fact that his mom's already left and is out the door. Um, so there's no no more final closure. Abandonment issues. I, Come I, on. Again, Mama Mom Lasso. Lasso really leaves a wake. Leaves a pretty terrible wake. Um, I don't care how good the meal was. God. Not great treatment, not a great emotional treatment to Ted or to herself for that matter. We care really, about her as well. Really um but he walks back into the office and then and Rebecca is there. And we have seen in the past two seasons, there's been a pivotal conversation that occurs between the two of them in the office at the end of the season to shape the future of their relationship. And Rebecca drops the bomb. She's got nothing. She's got nothing super salient to talk about. Nothing, no bomb, no truth, no hidden situation that she's going to jump into there's this whole thing with like her pursuit of motherhood that could have been something that she could share as a as an opportunity mm-hmm. as well but we get to the point that ted has the truth bomb this year bam black black screen next episode that's it we're done we don't know where we're going with this one yeah i mean i think the prevailing wisdom is pause if you will yeah oh my god (laughs) uh i think the prevailing wisdom here is that he's gonna leave and go back to henry although i the show zigs where where we all think it's gonna zag so many times that you just don't really know how we're gonna open episode 12 uh but look we will take a quick ad break and move to to wrap because we we're gonna continue the line of questioning of course and uh thanks to the sponsors we will be right back Dan, this is a pretty easy uh, main theme to come up with here, and I'm using the logo. Love it <laughs> as as uh, as the uh, as kind of the the theme. Parental advisory, explicit content. You've seen that on a whole bunch of movies and music and stuff. It was always on the CDs that I tried to buy that my mom would never let me buy growing up, and uh, so to me, it's so clear how much of an impact parents have on their kids good or bad you know on the on the worst side of it rebecca's issues with her mom and dad ted's parents jamie's dad right on the good side sam's dad jamie's mom roy's grandfather like these are the the people that have made a positive impact in their lives and i think the theme that i would take out of this is that understanding like building an understanding with someone and forgiveness is critical to becoming the best version of yourself on and off the pitch, right? This is, you know, so many main themes of the show, Dan, but that's kind of what I took out of this as, as the main. Even the openness angle of it, because we saw two types of mothering, one Mm. from Georgie who clearly has a very open relationship with Jamie and the way that she is wanting to talk about her feelings, talk about her emotions, talk about, just her love, her care, her affection, but also willing to say like, hey, you're at this point, you, you need to do something to help assess the situation. And we see Ma Lasso, who has that like external situation where like everybody loves her. It's so great and amazing. But we see you know, that there is Close the way off. that we perceive ourselves um, or we are perceived by others. And the reality, maybe externally, like, you know, that you know, the way that we view our parents and, you know, and like some of the conversations that we've had don't necessarily always paint to the people 
who've basically got a cameo version of those parents who've got a chance to see that yeah, a, a TikTok equivalent to the uh, the full length feature film of what it's what they're like as a person, and that to me is just the this whole thing about the openness, about being willing to accept who you are, to try to work on things. This, this whole narrative about that, um, yeah, parental advisory advised is uh, parental advisory suggested is definitely a, a really good theme for this episode. Um, look, a couple of questions here, Dan. Ted Beckett, do we get it or not? I don't think so. I think the I think the prevailing wisdom is going to be right because I don't think if this is going to truly end and we're not going to get any more Ted Lasso, I think they want to wrap as many stories as possible. And I think if you move into them being in a relationship standpoint, like you need another season, like you would need to have another season in that scenario, I think, to, to do it justice because there's not been enough, I think, like, of that buildup and um, necessarily to warrant it. It does leave the question. Do we think there's going to be a season four? My gut says, no, I think this might be more impacted by the situation in Hollywood. No, the writer's strike. Yeah. So you have a writer's strike going on, which means no new scripts are being produced, which means that if you were to get more Ted Lasso in a season four, you're not getting that probably until if you turned it quick, maybe late 2024 but probably 2025 it's all of those individuals are going to have jobs other deals lined up other production that they're working on and you know i I think that actually is probably the thing that's going to put it at the most jeopardy it feels like if apple wanted it if jason and team wanted it they could get it done and they could do it um so if they do do it it is going to be a very extended break so don't don't be looking forward to ted lasso being back sometime next year with a new season 2025 plus at the earliest is going to be the most likely um i think they wrap and i think that they will win the league and i think nate comes back as the new manager as ted leaves and much as they've done in every other season you have a situation where the where the location of the first scene of the episode was is the same location um at the end of the last episode and much like Ted was waiting for Henry's flight to take off at the beginning of this season. Ted will be ready to return home in the final scenes at the airport, the end of this season. I'm, I'm different on you on all these questions. I think that's okay. That's great. I think they are going to get together. Uh, I do think that Ted will want to leave and go back home, but I think we'll be convinced that to stay and figure out some sort of arrangement for Henry to, be a lot more present in his life. And I do think there will be a season four. I don't know if Jason's going to be in it, right? I think it could be the subplot characters. It could be Roy's and Keeley's and Jamie's and, and that crew. Uh, but I'd still watch the hell out of that. So if they're going to do it, that'd be great. All right. Crown and Anchor Pub Trivia. There's some doozies in here today. Uh, first one from Dottie. Uh, what is Roy's love language? Trent does a very good job of of explaining this to her, but... What does that love language look like? It's not one of the traditional ones, by the way. So just so if you're looking. Uh, said this earlier. Who wrote the poem that May recited to Ted? It's a very famous um, poet and, and novelist. According to Rebecca, question three. What was Freddie Mercury's best talent? Uh, this uh, really sparked the conversation online. So go for it. Uh, Question number four, Dan, you called it. 
what are Ted's two favorite dinner options that his mom could make for him? And and this is, is going to be key. And then number five, a great song. What is Ted and Beard's go-to karaoke song? It's their tradition after they win a big match to go do karaoke. And uh, and Beard was very explicit with what is, is going to be following there. But it is time to wrap, Dan. And we got to talk about who won. Who is your winner winner football dinner of this crazy ass episode on and off the pitch you gotta give it to jamie yeah he put he put in the full episode performance in this one um look i think ted was an extremely close second place but you know saving a goal scoring one assisting one making up with mom having friends to support him within his circle being the premier league player of the month i don't know I, too much, too much good vibes around Jamie for where he's come from, from uh, being a Love Island reject to now being the Premier League Player of the Month, starting for or getting an opportunity to play in the international side. Got, got to be Jamie. Yeah, I, I was tied uh, between both of them. So we'll give the nod to Jamie with your with your tiebreaker. I think they both have phenomenal moments. They both confronted stuff in their lives that is going to make them better. And at the end of the day. Uh, you know, Ted did help Jamie, right? Get get over a little bit of a hump. And and so, uh, yeah, I, we will give it to Jamie, which puts him at two, right, mm. for the season. Uh, tied with Roy and Ted on two, with Rebecca still on three, still leading the charge. So we He's could have a tie. personally, so. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and Nate on one, Rupert on one, Zava on one. Uh, that's kind of your leaderboard. So, Dan, I mean, mathematically, if if Rebecca wins the last week, then she's won it going away. If Roy, Ted, or Jamie win it, we have a tie. Look, I, I think it's going to be Ted. Like, again, his name is in the title of the show. If it's not Ted winning the last episode of the season, I'm going to be a bit shocked. Again, he, he won the he won the Premier League with this side. Like, if he wins the Premier League with this side, again, you, you can't give it to anybody else. I'll, I'll be beside myself. I, I agree. If if they if they do the impossible, which would be um, impossible, uh, it, then, yeah, he, of course, wins. And look... Uh, that that's gonna be it for us. Uh, I know this has been an hour and eleven minute plus episode. There was so much to cover. We appreciate you guys sticking uh, all the way through it with us. These scripts are incredibly long for me to write, and so I'm, I'm glad you guys did. Uh, of course, connect with us on social at Pod Underdogs. Take fifteen seconds to do the five star review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify. It really, really helps us out. And of course, we will see you after the season finale. Season finale according to apple uh on uh probably wednesday or thursday of next week so uh take care everyone thank you